Welcome to season four of Knowledge Cast by Ideals. We are excited about this season's guest, and you can learn more about our guests in this new season and previous seasons at jatwwilliams.com/podcast. Did you know Jat is an author too? You can learn more from Jat through his book called The Question: A Guide to Answering Life's Most Important Question, as he shares his personal journey that began in 1993 to determine the values, principles, and beliefs that would guide all aspects of his life. You can learn more about the question on Jat's website too at jatwwilliams.com. Now let's listen to an all new episode of Knowledge Cast by Ideals. Well, welcome to our fourth season of Knowledge Cast. If you're a regular listener, we're certainly uh, glad to have you back with us again. And if you're a first time listener, welcome. And we hope that you'll enjoy today's podcast and will join us again next week. Today's guest is Michi Morello. Michi is an acclaimed author, a youth coach, and a keynote speaker. Michi lived a troubled life growing up as a young person, as a juvenile, and, and ended up resulting in getting her expelled from school. But from that experience, she made dramatic changes in her life and has now had a successful 20-year career in graphic design and has written two books. I met Michi at the National Alternative Education Conference and spent some time together with her and was really just intrigued by her story, and I wanted her to share it with our audience today. So, Michi, it's great to uh, be able to speak to you again and have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you've got such a unique story. It's going to be kind of hard to, to capture uh, everything I'd like to talk to you about today, but we're going to try. Let's let's start with your years as a teenager. How would you describe Michi at that age? Oh, Jack. So Michi at that age was confused, confused, sad, um, felt neglected, abandoned, not by her mom, but by her father. That was Michi at her age, just someone that just wanted to feel her father's love. Well, um, you know, you you discussed with me that night when we were talking uh, about a, a time in your life that had a major impact on you, and, and you kind of touched on it. Share with us uh, the reasons why your mother decided to leave your father and how that affected you. So my, my father had a drug addiction to cocaine. And my father, it was one of those things that he just constantly would not come home, wouldn't pay rent, and was just never around. And I remember just my mom giving him the option. Like, you have, now that we have this little girl, you have to be able to make changes. Like, no more of this. And um, I remember being four years old and, and, any traumatic event that anyone has, people always remember. But for me, this traumatic event happened when I was four years old and my father told me not to blow out my birthday candles and mm-hmm. um, that he will be right back. But he never came back, Jack. Instead, um, he stayed out doing coke, doing drugs, and and I was forced to blow out my candle, my candles with, with tears in my eyes. And, and my mom just had enough of seeing the pain, of seeing all these things. And she just decided that no more. And she wanted to get me as far away from him as possible, as far. Well, that's a difficult thing for anybody to go through, but particularly at, at that vulnerable age. Um, well, when did, uh, after that happened, when did the light 
go off with you where you decided that you needed to make some serious changes in your life? Well, it, it happened years after. So once I moved from, from New York to outside of Boston, a little town called Haverhill, my mom took me there because she wanted to give me a better life. She said, you know what? I don't want you in these New York schools. So I just spiraled down and I was kicked out of school. Um, school didn't want me. Detention centers welcomed me. And it was just such a destructive pattern. But I didn't change until my cousin got stabbed. Once he got stabbed, I said, this is this. I don't want to do this life anymore. Um, so I decided to move to Florida. You know, the level of love that I had for my mom wasn't matching up with my level of behavior. And I decided to just reinvent myself. I said, if I'm being so chaotic while being unintentional, I wonder what would happen if I am intentional and I moved to Florida. How would you have described your behavior during that time before you went through the change? Reckless. Very reckless. Um, didn't really care. Felt hurt, felt pain, you know, but the root of behavior comes from pain, right? If, if you're yeah. behaving well, it's because there's a sense of joy and happiness, especially for a teenager. You know, there's so many factors between hormones and this, and at 14, 15, 16, our brains aren't fully developed. So I was just being so impulsive with my behavior. I thought it, I said it, I felt it, I did it. And um, like I said, it was one of those things that my behavior, it was just reckless. And like I said, how I behaved did not match up the level of love that I had for my mom at all, at all. What was her reaction when you went to Florida? She was happy but sad, but I told her the reason why. I said, I'm going to reinvent myself. And I remember like it was yesterday, she was actually crying. It actually makes me emotional think, thinking about it because I actually haven't thought about this part of my life for a while of, of the day that I moved to Florida. But I remember my mom just, when I first told her, I said, I can't do this. I cannot be in this environment and I'm not leaving because I'm running away from anything. I'm leaving because I want to create something. I want to see what I can really create. Not because I'm running away from anything at this point, but I've created so much chaos here that I, I need a change of pace, a change of life. And, and she cried but supported me. My mom's my number one cheerleader. And she supported the whole move. Well, you go to Florida. Now tell us what happens in Florida. So I come to Florida um, and I picked up, I was, I was, I'm a graphic designer by trade and I got a job as a graphic designer, but it wasn't fulfilling. So I, what I did, I told myself, I would like to give back by volunteering at a detention center. And I did that. So I volunteered at, at a detention center and there was this kid who looked at me with, with anger. And he looked at me and said, well, what do you know? Why are you here? Why? I mean, what do you know about this? And at that moment, I saw me in him. And I felt like, well, wait a minute. That was me at one point. So I decided at that moment that I was going to create something that even if I leave, my words stay. And I decided to create Cell Dreamer, the juvenile version, because I decided to be to these kids what I needed. Um, I was locked up four times. You know, and, and it was in and out, in and out, in and out. So I figured, you know what? Let me be a trailblazer for these kids. Let me create a workbook 
because I didn't have that when I was locked up. Um, I was I was playing spades. I was actually watching TV. It never really prepared me to come back to society. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to create something that these kids are able to look at their time as preparation, not as a punishment. I just want to really change their perspective. Well, let's, uh, you know, obviously you have done exactly that. Let's go back a little bit more when you came to Florida. One of the things I remember you telling me was if you were going to change, if you were going to be a new person, you had to change the way you talked. And you used an unusual tool. Uh, I think you might have grabbed an unusual tool to, <laughs> to help you uh, do that. Tell us about that. Um, so I know exactly the tool you're talking about. So actually, when I got kicked out of school, um, I didn't have money and I stole a dictionary. I stole a dictionary. <laughs> this, is, because... this is before you reinvented yourself. Okay, go ahead. Exactly, exactly. Before I reinvented myself, um, when I got kicked out of school, I became obsessed with self-improvement. You know, I became obsessed with self-education once I got kicked out of school. And I wanted to see what I was able to create. And I wanted to really study human behavior as to why do I do what I do? And, and why did I show up to the world like this? So I became obsessed with self-improvement. And I decided that I wasn't going to be stupid. It was just a thought at 16 years, 16 years old. I said, I'm not going to be, I got kicked out of school, but I refuse to just be out here without knowing. So I stole a dictionary. I stole a <laughs> dictionary. It was like maybe like four inches tall, maybe like two inches thick in depth. And, and I carried it around in my back pocket. And when grown-ups used to speak, I would, I would stop them in their middle of their senses. I was like, well, what, what does that mean? And I would just remember that word, and I would use it that week. And I still do that to this day. I always want to look, I always want to educate myself more, learn more. Um, one of my values is knowledge. So I'm always finding ways to improve and grow. Again, I'm in the personal development field. So there's always finding ways to improve and, and develop myself. Yeah, there, there's no expiration date on personal development. Right. And if people think that it actually starts at school, but it actually starts when you leave school. You know, traditional education is one thing. The self-education, self-improvement is another thing. Well, let's go back to uh, Cell Dreamer. Uh, you know, you've, you've now dedicated your life to helping you know, other people. Tell us about the, the different areas of work that you do with young people. So I wrote two versions. So the first version is for youth who are incarcerated. And it's like this is, said, this is one of your this is your first book, right? Yeah, yeah. The okay. juvenile version is my first book. Okay. And like I said, I created it because that kid inspired me. So the whole goal is to help them prepare get back. To, into society as a re-entry, as a re-entry. And once I created this book, um, I had Fox call me, I had NBC call me, and the school that expelled me ended up finding out, and they called me. And they said, hey, we heard your story, and we heard that you wrote a book. Can you come back to the school and help, and help us with these kids who are at risk? So I created the student version because I was inspired by, by those kids 
because they weren't really able to answer the juvenile version because they've never been locked up. So what I did was I created Selden with the student version as a prevention just to dismantle that school to prison pipeline. So one version is for prevention, the other one is for reentry. If you had to kind of sum up, and I know it's hard to do it in, in, in two books, but what what advice, how, how would you sum up what you're trying to get them to understand through your books? What are just some that, of the key points? That personal development is, is necessary. For this world to even live in this world, you need personal development because you need to develop different skills, whether it is the skill of being um, disciplined, self-motivation, whatever it is, you really need to tap in inner, internally as opposed to looking for people externally. And what I mean by that is when I usually get hired, one of the ways that I even start any of my, my lessons or, or, or speeches is I'm not here to motivate you. I'm here to inspire you. There's a difference. If I motivate you, that means you have given me your power. You should be self-motivated, all right? And when you lack that motivation, you should tap into your discipline. So I always tell these kids, self-improvement is important because that's what's going to get you farther is being able to navigate and pivot when necessary. You know, and I teach these kids what they don't teach in school. They don't teach personal development in schools. They don't teach um, financial literacy in school. So this is where I'm coming in and I'm teaching them what what. I feel that schools haven't taught them. And I'm actually writing my third book and it is on financial literacy, making money the right way. Well, I think that's what connected us because we both have that same uh, outlook on what is being taught and what is not being taught. You kind of put me in uh, in my place at the conference one night and I was talking <laughs> about something. You probably did it several times, come to think of it, but but you shared an interesting concept of the difference in an abundance mindset and a poverty mindset. Tell us what you, the difference and how you separate those two. So an abundance mindset is knowing that you lack nothing, that there is access, that there's access and access of everything, right? That that what's yours is yours and, and it will eventually get to you. However, if it hasn't gotten to you yet, there's actually some character building that needs to kind of be developed, right? Maybe it's patience, maybe it's a letting go of that poverty mindset. And our poverty mindset, poverty mindset is I lack that scarcity. I don't have enough. There's not enough success to go around, enough money to go around. And I think that is such a, a disturbing way to live the reason being is because then you're navigating from a place of scarcity of 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 of, of fear well will i ever have enough or even having or even like people will literally shop and buy something that's 50 cents cheaper because that's actually a poverty mindset they would rather save that 50 cents because of that mindset, knowing that the other product may be better, right, for them or whatever the right. case may be, they don't want to go through that generic brand, but they would rather save that 50 cents. And that's where that poverty mindset comes in. 
So they live their life like that, just always scared. So if they get gas, oh, they would drive another two miles just to save 25 cents at the other gas station. You know, so I think that when you, when you navigate like that, then you're also attracting more poverty because this is what you're attracting now. So how do you well, get ahead when you start thinking like that, when you start thinking like that? Well, where this came up in a conversation, uh, we were both exhibitors at this conference and normally they don't put competitors next to uh, each other at a, at a conference when you have booths. And, and I actually had what was, I considered a semi-competitor next to me. And I was complaining to, to Michi. I said, I, I cannot believe that they did this. And she jumped all down my throat and she said, you should, you should hope that the whole, the whole wall was full of people doing what you're doing. Cause if you really think what you're doing is important, we need more people doing it so we can get more kids, more kids taught what they need to be taught. You're, you know, you got a, a poverty mindset and she just ripped me apart and I'd not thought about that, but she was exactly right. And if, uh, if really the goal was to educate kids in the life skills arena, you know, we, we would really, I should really be wanting to have a lot of folks out there doing exactly what I'm doing so we could impact more kids. Um, any other advice? We've got some, you know, we've got kind of a mixed audience, Michi, of young people and and people that have started their careers. Uh, looking back over your life and the challenges that you've gone through, is there any any takeaways, any advice that you would share what you've learned? Just invest in yourself. Really take time to invest in yourself. Because what will happen if you don't, someone will actually invest in you. And then you won't even know your worth because you're so focused on wanting to do things for them, as opposed to you being solid and grounded in who you are and invest in your growth, in your character, in your personal development, in all these skills that you need. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is you will never know your worth. Someone will actually hire you for their dream and you will never tap into your dreams. That's interesting. What's next? For Michi E. Morello, what do you got planned? I know you're working on a book. What else is in the future for you? So we just started the mini youth mission. And our goal with that is to reimagine and rebuild the village. And the reason I decided to reimagine and rebuild the village is because someone from my village gave me drugs. So I decided to now start a campaign to where we reach a mini youth and give them personal development. Great. That's great. Anything else you'd, you'd like to share before we wrap up? No, thank you. It's been awesome to talk to you, to connect with you, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, listen, thanks so much uh, for sharing your inspiring story with us and the work that you're doing with young people that are going through some difficult times. I, I want to wish you continued success in, in your coaching and your Cell Dreamer Academy and your books and, and reaching a million uh, kids and uh, trying to impact these people uh, in the long term. You certainly are a great example for, for them to follow. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you. As we wrap up another Knowledge Cast episode, a special thanks to each of you for making us part of your day. And I hope that you'll join us again next week for another interesting guest. And until then, make it your goal this week to be a positive influence in the lives of others.